Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646 716 Four nine seven two. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome everybody. We're so grateful to have you here with us again. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals, and we're here for mortgage professionals. But we're also grateful for you, our listeners. We appreciate you being here. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anywhere, anytime. We are proud to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. We're also grateful for our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. I had a great interview with Michael Frattentoni. Got a lot of positive feedback to the interview. Also caught up with our friends at Finastra. They're doing a great job with the Mortgage Bot Solution. A lot of new innovation coming in with them. Grateful for their sponsorship, as well as Lenders One, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. These two co-ops do a great job of helping lenders connect with each other of their same size. So check it out. Could go on and on about both of these co-ops. We're members of both of them. Pick one or both. That's what we recommend. They definitely get involved. It does not replace the MBA membership, but do get a member of one of these co-ops. You'll find that you'll benefit from it. Also, this Community Mortgage Lenders of America Association, grateful to be part of them. Uh, CMLA, as well as Incelerate. Josh Friend does a great job. Again, that interview that we did with Josh Friend still getting radically downloaded because of the radical things that they're doing inside their company to connect you with borrowers. Great in borrower engagement platform. Also, when you're recruiting, you got to look at Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, as well as Modex. Both of these companies do a great job of bringing empirical data. And again, a special thank you to SnapDoc. So thrilled to have the entire SnapDoc team with us on the podcast as a sponsor. Check out SnapDocs, one of the up-and-coming companies, and you will want to get to know them. We recently signed up with SuccessKit. And if you're a vendor or a lender and you're wanting testimonials on your website, you need to check out SuccessKit. I have been thrilled with what they've done for us on our consulting business, and I'm sure they'll do the same for you, as well as now Lenders Toolkit, is the newest one of our newest sponsors, so thrilled to have them as a sponsor. Special thank you goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, Matt, and Jack for their contributions each and every week to the podcast. Let's get over to Rob Van Rapport of the MBA for this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapport. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHFA published the conforming loan limits for 2022 for mortgages eligible to be acquired by the GSEs. The baseline was set at $647,200, and the maximum was set at $970,800. HUD also published the FHA forward mortgage loan limits and maximum claim amount limits for reverse mortgages. For FHA-insured forward mortgages, the floor will be $420,680, and the maximum will be $970,800. The maximum claim amount for FHA-insured reverse mortgages will also be $970,800. The large nationwide increase in house prices in 2021 is the reason for the increases in GSE and FHA loan limits for the coming year. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. 
grateful for all that the NBA does. I'm grateful for Rob Van Rathorst to bring us his report each and every week. Thank you, Rob, very much. Let's get over Les Parker with the TM Spotlight and this week's Grow View of the Markets. Les, what you got for us? Fed's boots are made for stopping. Inflation gets its due. One of these days, these boots are going to stop all over you. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. The Fed can slow inflation with stomping boots while offering futile tools to stimulate economic activity. When central banks try to stimulate activity, they create excess liquidity, which, if not reduced, creates exaggerated inflation during a recovery. Bonds see healthy action by central banks, but they also see a futile recovery jeopardized by inept U.S. actions to address supply issues. Ironically, when the Fed starts walking back liquidity, long-term rates fall. So, Fed Boots, are you ready? Start stomping. These views are my own. Learn more about stomping boots at tmspotlight.com. You can sign up for the paid version of Les's TM Spotlight newsletter. You'll get that for free. Folks, I'm excited to have joining us on the microphone, Odetta Kushi. She is originally from Albania. I met her in San Diego going down an escalator. I believe it was at, after the Empower event. It was an outstanding event, and everyone was so positive and flowing, and we were just also conversational-oriented and talking about what a blessing that whole event was. And I met Odetta, and I just was drawn to her intelligence, articulate. She has a podcast. Of course, that trust me as a podcaster. <laughs> into it. So we're really excited to have you here, Odetta. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. It was uh, so great meeting you at MBA and even better to have the opportunity to be on your podcast with you. Well, I'm excited about that. We should tell everyone that she is currently the Deputy Chief Economist for First American Financial Corp. She conducts research around demographic trends. That really caught my attention, listeners. That's one of the reasons I wanted to bring her on. Well, a special focus on millennials and home ownership. We're really looking forward to getting into all of this, but give us a little of your background. How did you go from Albania to deputy chief economist at First American? Tell us about that journey. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was born and raised in Albania, moved to the U.S., upstate New York specifically when I was about seven years old. And so I've actually always been just fascinated and interested in housing, homeownership as kind of part of that American dream. So I studied economics, really liked statistics. And so all of that came together and I was able to kind of focus on economics, obviously, and the statistics that are so important in analyzing economic trends and just really developed an interest in real estate and, and housing and, and homeownership. And demographics are just so important mm, um, yeah. in housing and in being able to forecast what's going to happen in the housing market. And so I've just always been interested in, in the topic and, and just feel very lucky to be able to work in the space. Well, the, the whole topic of demographics is really focusing on where the industry is going, what we have lying ahead. And it is really interesting. So let's get into the demographics part of this thing. My friend, Tony, put, put out some great slides at the conference, talked about the single biggest group is the millennials uh, and the Gen Zers. It's kind of a mix. Or it's right on the cusp there, if I remember correctly from that slide. I'm very interested to get your perspective as when are these people going to start buying? When is this group going to start buying homes? Yeah, that's a great question. And when we talk about housing, demographics 
has to be discussed because mm -hmm. this is a fundamental of housing. And millennials are the largest generation in history, ranging between the ages of 25 and 40. And they really gained this reputation of the renter generation and the avocado toast generation that they were always going to be renting. And that's just not the case. They're just buying later in life compared to their generational predecessors. So if we look at the data and we do see at, at the same age of 30, millennial homeownership rates is lagging behind the Gen mm -hmm. X and also baby boomers, certainly. But right. that's because millennials are staying in school longer. They're delaying key lifestyle decisions, such as getting married, having kids, in lieu of furthering their education. And so that's pushing homeownership further and further. And so we're finally starting to see millennials age in, into their prime home buying years. And with that, we're seeing that, that millennials are really making up the largest share of home buyers today. So this is not the renter generation. They're just doing it later in life. So how much is student debt playing into that? That's a great question. Certainly student debt has increased over time. But what's really important to highlight is that so has the interest rate on student loan payments, and so has the loan repayment terms. And so the student loan debt payment to income ratio has actually remained stable through time. And so student loan debt, according to our analysis, is more likely to delay than prevent homeownership for this generation. And I think that's a really important point to make because, again, we're so focused on student loan debt, but we're thinking it's more likely to delay a little bit later in life than it is to prevent homeownership for this generation. One of the things we talked about on the escalator is while millennials home ownership has been delayed relative to their generation predecessors. You just talked about that. Millennials now have the greatest influence on the potential of home ownership, the demand, at least the demand side. So when you look at the housing market and you look at what parts of the country, geographics, how much does that play into it as it relates to the demographics? Yeah. So millennials, we find, are moving to Sunbelt markets. So mm. we're seeing an out-migration in places like New York City and Los Angeles. And then we're seeing the Texas metros just explode. So mm -hmm. huge in-migration of young households in Austin, in Houston. So it seems that millennials really like the sun, the tech jobs, lower cost living, all of these factors that play into some of these migration patterns. And then, of course, we have to talk about this shift to the suburbs, right? And that was certainly dominating headlines over the course of the pandemic, but it's important to highlight that the shift to the suburbs actually predated the pandemic. Millennials were moving out to the suburbs because, again, they were forming households, they were having kids, getting married, um, looking for more space. And so we were seeing that shift to the suburbs even prior to the pandemic, and certainly it was accelerated by the pandemic. And so that's another trend that we've been seeing as well. You mentioned the trend for many of the millennials moving to hot markets like Austin, where we're located, and that is certainly the case. But struggling with the supply side of this equation. What are you predicting that is going to shift and we're going to get back in balance? It's tough to answer when, but certainly the supply issue is an issue nationwide. The housing market has been underbuilt for the last decade. And so that's one of the reasons that we've been seeing house price growth reach record levels, double digit house price growth is because mm. Econ 101 tells us when you have increasing demand against limited supply, that means right. prices are going to rise, right? And so a decade-long supply shortage for multiple reasons. Builders face all of these supply 
supply side headwinds, everything from constrained labor supply, which was exacerbated during the pandemic, lack of available and affordable land to build on, the cost of inputs have gone up, as we all know, and then, of course, regulatory impediments all have contributed to slower growth in the construction industry. So less new construction available, less new inventory available, and then existing homeowners are just staying put. Tenure length has reached record levels, so existing homeowners maybe don't want to sell because they're afraid they won't find something to buy that's better than their existing home. And so overall, inventory has hit near historic lows. And so that certainly is, I think, the primary issue and primary constraint facing the housing market today. Interest rates, another big factor on where things are going. We've watched some interesting volatility here lately. Love to get your perspective and what we're going to be seeing as relates to interest rates. I'm hearing several say and predict we're going to have a very volatile year in 2022. Do you share that perspective? Yeah, interest rates are tough because, as we know, the 30-year fixed rate mortgage is loosely benchmarked to the 10-year treasury yield, and that tends to be impacted by everything from geopolitical events, any kind of economic uncertainty, health uncertainty. So right now, the consensus is that mortgage rates will rise. The consensus is to about 3.7% by the end of 2022. Now, that's still historically very, very low. The historical average is just over 7%. And so interest rates of 3.7 are still very, very low. That is the general consensus is that rates will rise for a few reasons. Higher inflation um, going into 2022, the Fed tapering its asset purchases, and then of course the economy improving. We know that an improving economy tends to put upward pressure on the 10-year treasury yield and mortgage rates as well. So that is the consensus right now, but could change. Of course, we have this variant that could Mm -hmm. result and more uncertainty. But right now, the expectation is that rates will rise. So when you look at interest rates, we're also looking at and rising prices. We have an affordability problem moving forward. Talk about that. What are you seeing? So affordability is not just a function of interest rates, also a function of income and nominal house price growth. And so Yes, mortgage rates are expected to rise in the coming year, but wages are expected to rise as well, right? We have a tighter labor market where we've seen wages start to increase, household income increase. And so that could kind of push back against the rising mortgage rates. The expectation is that nominal house price growth will remain positive, but maybe start to moderate in the coming months and into 2022. And so all those factors need to be considered when thinking about affordability. And so there's a little bit of a tug of war. Rising mortgage rates, also rising incomes. What will be the net effect on affordability? It's hard to say. Right now, nominal house price growth has far exceeded house buying power. And house buying power is just how much home you can afford to buy given interest rates and income. And nominal house price growth has been so high that it's been outpacing the growth in house buying power. And so we'll have to monitor that going into 2022, looking at those dynamics. We talk about the geopolitical world we live in. We look at just what we have in politics here in USA. Talk about how you guys are seeing this play out in 2022. There's more and more concern about the amount of debt we're putting on ourselves and on our children and our children's children. How much is that going to have an impact on where we end up in housing? That's a great question. And when I think of politics and, and what relates most to housing, I always go back to monetary policy and the future of monetary policy and what that could mean for the housing market. And the Fed, Chairman Jerome Powell recently came out and said that we should not not be using transitory anymore. Maybe inflation is going to stick around longer than the Fed anticipated. And so what is the implication of that on the housing market? Well, higher inflation is likely to result in, in higher 10-year treasury yields and potentially higher mortgage rates as well. And so that's how I like to think of 
monetary policy impacting housing. It's not necessarily what will the Fed do with the federal funds rate. It's what's happening to long-term bond yields. How does that impact mortgage rates? And so keeping an eye on that and how it's impacting the housing market. So you have a podcast. Tell us a little bit about it. How can people hear about it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So we have Mark Fleming, who is the chief uh, economist Mark. at First American. Okay. So we co-host a podcast called The Reconomy Podcast, where we focus on affordability trends. We talk about demographics, really whatever's of interest in the housing market. And we release an episode every other week. And you can find that on our econ center, firstam.com slash economics. And so we try to tackle any kind of interesting topic um, that's on our minds that week. So. so give us an example of some of the topics that you have been tackling. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously we have a, a focus on affordability and there's a lot of questions about what rising rates could mean for the housing market. And so recently we did an analysis looking back in time and looking at different rising rate eras and figuring out what impact there was on home sales and on house prices. And what we found is that home sales and house prices are both fairly resilient in the face of rising mortgage rates, house prices particularly. And that's really because house prices are what we call downside sticky. Homeowners would rather withdraw from the market rather than sell at lower prices. So we found that during different rising mortgage rate eras, house prices tended to continue to stay positive. So house price growth remained positive. And home sales for the majority of these eras actually continue to go up as well. And so that's been one of our focuses, trying to understand what might happen in a rising mortgage rate environment. So one of the things we talked about is how the housing market was largely pandemic proof. We got to hear what do you mean by it was largely pandemic proof? Well, the housing market hit so many records over the course of the pandemic, home sale records and house price appreciation records. And when the pandemic first started, we really wanted to try and get a better understanding of what might happen in housing. And so we took a look at the unemployment rate over time. And what we found is that there's a clear distinction between the unemployment rate for renters versus homeowners. And we know that homeowners are less likely to be unemployed overall. And in times of economic distress, the rate of unemployment among homeowners increases less dramatically than the rate among renters. So over time, the difference between renter and owner unemployment rates is about four and a half percentage points. And so when the pandemic started and we realized this was a services sector recession, disproportionately hurting younger lower wage workers in the hospitality industry, we thought this is likely going to impact renters disproportionately, right? And that's exactly what happened. Renters were disproportionately hurt during this pandemic recession, whereas home buyers or potential homeowners or potential home buyers were not as impacted by the labor market decline. And we know that homeownership is correlated with being older and more educated. And so that's one of the reasons that we saw homeowners not as impacted by this labor market decline. And we saw savings rates increase over the course of the pandemic. And then, of course, the renewed interest in home ownership, the need for more space, the fact that our homes are no longer just a dwelling, but also your office, your daycare yeah. center, your gym, right? And so all of these factors made buying a home top of mind for many people. But really, it comes down to this bifurcation in the labor market and the fact that younger, lower wage workers were hurt more so than higher wage, older workers. When you look at the millennials, you look at the demographic groups, what are some of the greatest headwinds facing 
this next generation of first-time home buyers? So I would say the biggest headwind is supply. Mm-hmm. You can't buy what's not for sale. And so we know there's all of this demand in the market. A lot of millennials looking to buy that first home, again, aging into marriage and, and household formation and having kids, wanting to maybe move out to the suburbs, but there's just not a lot of inventory for them to choose from. And so certainly I say that the lack of inventory is a primary headwind for this generation. Do you think the work at home movement is going to continue? I certainly think that we're headed towards a more hybrid environment. I think that we're in for more work from home days than prior to the pandemic. And that'll have some really interesting implications on commercial real estate as well, right? right. There'll be this untethering of us from our downtown centers, maybe we don't need to go to the office as much, or maybe there's more demand in the suburbs where a lot of people have moved over the course of the pandemic. So I certainly think that the work from home will be here to stay even after pandemic concerns wane. Such a joy to have met you and have you. And we're going to post links to your podcast in our show notes so that people can click on them and go listen to them. Again, really looking forward to continue to follow you. We'd love to have you back on, continue this conversation. Thank you so much, Odetta. Thank you so much for having me. I'll make sure to say hi to Mark for you as yeah, well. Yeah, please do. So be sure to come back here next week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Lenders One, Accelerate, Mobility MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc, Success Kit, and Lenders Toolkit. Good to have you with us, everybody. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.